Welcome to the Broadband Bunch, a podcast about broadband and how it impacts all of us. Join us to learn about the state of the industry and the latest innovations and trends. Connect with the thought leaders, pioneers, and policymakers helping to shape your future through broadband. Join us on Facebook at the Broadband Bunch to see the latest episodes, news, and photos. The Broadband Bunch, as always, sponsored by ETI Software. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Broadband Bunch. Today we speak with Kara Shamison. She's the Ting City Manager in Ting Charlottesville. Kara helps us understand Ting's connection to Charlottesville, Virginia and the University of Virginia. She shares some of the interesting programs they are working with the communities on both bridging the digital gap, esports, inclusion, um, low-income housing, as well as the special programs that they've kicked off around the COVID crisis. I hope you get a chance to listen to uh, the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Broadband Bunch. I'm Pete Pizzatello and I am joined today by Kara Shandison. She's the Ting City Manager. Kara, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Pete. Live from Charlottesville, how are things in Virginia going on during this crisis here? You know, it's um, we're, we're doing okay. We're, we're happy that we're having some days of sunshine. I think it lifts everyone's spirits. So, um, you know, the countdown till June is definitely on, but uh, we're in good spirits. Yeah, it's true. It's been uh, the the lockdown plus the the rain has kind of added an extra layer of misery. I think a, a Dante esque kind of punishment here. So uh, glad to see the sun is coming out as well. We are going to dig in a little bit about um, how you're helping out the community there. But I think it'd be helpful to give us a backdrop of your journey and how you ended up um, in broadband and how you uh, ended up in Charlottesville with Tink. Sure. I actually started my broadband um, career 30 years ago with Bell Atlantic. Um, I worked uh, during college in summers, uh, working for Bell Atlantic in a large call center. Um, I love to tell this story because I think a lot of people that I work with nowadays don't realize that a lot of the work back then was um, with paper and not with computers. And I actually um, was in charge of taking all of the move orders. So people that were moving their phone service from one address to another and would take a paper copy of the from address and staple it to the to address and then give it to the technician that was eventually going to go out and move that service. So uh, broadband has come a very long way since then. Um, And after I worked with Bell Atlantic uh, during colleges, I went to college in Frederick, Maryland and got my master's degree from George Mason in public administration and then moved to Wilmington, Delaware uh, for Bell Atlantic again. And I worked a 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift monitoring our alarms for central offices and the aerial network for Bell Atlantic. Did that for a few months and then moved into a couple different positions in Wilmington. I was a provisioning manager and then worked with an installation team. And then uh, luckily uh, was able to move back into the Washington, D.C. area to work in the regulatory department, which is what I went to graduate school. So um, I went to live in D.C. and uh, we worked on the long distance filings at the time. So um, Bell Atlantic was moving into um, um, be called Verizon at that time. And I worked on the long distance filings. And then after that was done, worked in a wholesale call center for a few years. 
um, and managed a really large team there and then moved over to business development for Fios, the fiber optic product for Verizon and did um, various jobs with the Fios team from performance metrics to marketing and sales. And then finally, um, at the end of my career with Verizon, worked with the teams um, that sold Fios within the Verizon wireless stores. So after 20 years with Verizon, I um, took a, a retirement package and my family and I moved to Charlottesville and spent a few years home with my sons and then started following Ting in Charlottesville. And fortunately, there was a job opportunity for my current position, city manager with Ting, and applied for that. And I've been with Ting uh, for a couple years now here in Charlottesville. Wow, Ting's lucky to uh, have somebody that has that kind of robust, you've seen uh, not only the market and technology evolve, but also all aspects of the business, which is uh, rare. A lot of people don't kind of have that path. So that's interesting. Um, so help us understand Ting a little bit. And you said, that, you know, it's a national company, but your role specifically in Charlottesville, what, what is the, how the parent-child connection there? Oh, sure. Well, first, let me tell you a little bit about our parent company, which is called Two Cows. Um, Two Cows stands for the Ultimate Collection of Windsock Software and was founded in 1993. Um, Two Cows has uh, over 700 employees, of which 250 work with Ting Internet, which is where I work. All of our companies, um, which we have three, the domains and wholesale business, we have a Ting mobile business and Ting internet business under that parent umbrella, um, are built on the premise of delivering superior value and industry-defining customer experience. Um, those are really the building blocks of all three of our companies. Um, our Ting Mobile company right now provides service on all major carriers' networks except for AT&T. Um, and that company is built on the premise of pay for what you use. So it's um, refreshingly different than what other models and what other carriers use. And Ting Internet, uh, where I work, like I had mentioned, has markets from the Atlantic to the Pacific and actually a few in between. Um, when I started with Ting, we had six Ting towns, and now we have 10. Um, Ting Charlottesville is the first Ting town, and we have two offices here in Charlottesville. We have a location where most of our technicians and our construction and installation teams are housed, and then we have a downtown location, uh, which is where we have um, people that do marketing to customer support, to business sales, business support, and then myself. Um, I'm actually located in our downtown uh, office as well. Yeah, that's really helpful. So I didn't, you know, looking at two cows is a really interesting company. And then um, the growth of Ting Towns, I like that name, um, up to 10. So how did, you know, how did they focus on Charlottesville? And, you know, how of all the cities, how, how did that kind of originate as one of the Ting Towns? Sure. Um, actually, it's an interesting story. Um, Originally, um, there were two uh, entrepreneurial UVA grads um, that started a company here in Charlottesville um, with the goal of building you know, a fiber optic network here in Charlottesville. And then quickly they realized that to reach that lofty goal of building world-class fiber in a small town um, was pretty challenging and they looked for um, a company to partner with and that's where Ting came in. Ting was able to provide them the resources to continue that build and that growth of fiber optics here. And so, um, you know, Ting became Ting Charlottesville five years ago. 
that's great that you guys are right out of the community in uh, that, that kind of DNA. You know, you're lucky to have the University of Virginia uh, right there as a, as a hotbed of innovation. And so you're still came from the community and still connected to the community. You know, right now is a really important time for communities to come together and, you know, perhaps um, more, you know, unprecedented um, activity and engagement is required. You know, how are you all dealing with that uh, within your within Charlottesville? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because it's something that we really pride ourselves on. Um, Ting has always taken the approach that we not only, you know, are selling fiber optic and fiber internet services here, um, but customer service and connecting with our customers is one of the most important things that um, we all share on our team team. So currently through, you know, the COVID crisis, we're doing a few different things. Um, first that we did uh, last week was we set up a, what we're calling a park and Wi-Fi at a central location in downtown Charlottesville. Um, what we did was we um, connected a Wi-Fi access point in a large parking lot um, and it's fed through our fiber optic network. And so uh, people can go to the park uh, from 7 p.m., I'm sorry, 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., seven days a week, and access free internet. And we felt this was a really important first step that Ting could do to support the community because, um, as in many areas, children are now home doing online schooling. Um, many people are working from home. And so we wanted to make sure that we were able to use our best resources to connect people with online schooling, working, you know, video conferencing, checking on family members, as well as telehealth and telemedicine. So that was one of our first initiatives that we did. Um, we've also um, donated to local organizations that we have a close tie with. For example, uh, one organization is called the PB&J Fund, which is providing um, bagged uh, food and bagged dinner options to, to families. Um, we've been involved and volunteered as a team before at the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank, um, so we also donated to them. And then here in Charlottesville, we have an organization called Feeding the Frontline. Um, they uh, accepted donations to buy local gift cards for um, food establishments and, and local restaurants, and those gift cards were used to purchase um, you know, breakfasts and lunches and dinners and snacks for all of our frontline workers workers in the health system. And then uh, we also just announced that uh, with Ting Internet, we have two packages. We've got a five over five internet package, and then we have our gigabit symmetrical speed internet package. Um, and what we're doing is we are upgrading all of our five over five customers um, at no charge uh, for 60 days. So people can fully take advantage of symmetrical speeds. And then we've also taken on um, to buying some local gift cards to support local businesses. And really this approach was just to provide some, you know, happiness and cheer and, um, you know, reaching out to customers that may not be able to, you know, afford having a meal delivered to their home or um, they want to recognize a local, uh, you know, member of their society that's working in the hospital or the police force um, where they can tag a friend on our Facebook page, and we'll be giving away thousands of dollars of gift cards to local businesses. 
So we continually analyze, you know, the needs of the community and we're just trying to tap into our resources to make sure that we're supporting our local um, customer base and businesses in Charlottesville at this time. Wow. That's, I mean, that's amazing that you guys are, are act, that active this quickly. Um, and that perspective is really, I think, unique and rare. So, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I don't live in Charlottesville, but I'm, I'm happy to hear that folks like you and, and Team Charlottesville are, are reaching in to help not only the disadvantaged uh, families that need help, but the parents that need help trying to figure out how to get these kids uh, moving, you know, finishing up the school year, as well as the local businesses that are just being devastated. So thank you for all that. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's the one thing um, that, like I had said earlier, it's something I'm so proud to work for this company, specifically the Ting Charlottesville team, is that, you know, every day we make it a point to connect somehow with the people of Charlottesville, the nonprofits of Charlottesville, the businesses, um, the public sector. We're continually learning how to connect with our community. And that is the main differentiator between us and other providers here in Charlottesville that, you know, we know our customer base, we know their needs and being able to provide a, you know, fiber optic connection for many that connects friends and families and schools and businesses at this time is so important. Um, and us knowing our community allows us to act quickly in times like this. Yeah, no, that's the local presence I think is, really specials but it, it takes the the initiative and the insight to make the, the jump right because we've talked a lot i've talked to a lot of people around um, digital inclusion um may, helping people be a part of the digital economy or building digital ecosystems but really what i think you guys are doing are, is building a digital community right linking it um and helping the community itself survive and, and it'd be really interesting to to look downstream um in, in a couple months, right? To look back in, in everybody's reaction up and down, um, not only from the network providers, service providers, but also from the educational institutions and the healthcare institutions and, and gather all the lessons learned and see all the interesting things that people are doing, what worked, what didn't work, and really kind of bake that back into policy and procedures and um, the behaviors moving forward. So, uh, you know, I'm glad that you're helping us understand some of the things that are going on locally from from uh, your area. Yeah, absolutely. We want, you know, before this though, right? There was uh, an emphasis on, on on helping to bridge the digital gap, right? Every every community has it, uh, urban and rural. That there are folks, like you said, the having the five over five. Some of the lifeline folks. Um, you know, maybe bef maybe you can help us understand what you guys, what kind of programs you had in place to help us to help that uh, reduce that gap in your market. Sure. You know, um, you know, Ting Charlottesville's currently embarking on our first digital divide projects. Um, they've taken quite some time to negotiate and talk to key members of our community here to determine where we could best um, help the community and use our resources. And what we're doing is we're partnering with um, two organizations. One, the city of Charlottesville. Um, the second is the Piedmont Housing Authority. And we're working on two separate uh, digital divide projects, but they each have the same goal. And that's to enable the opportunities afforded by home internet access to people in Charlottesville who might not otherwise have those opportunities. 
Um, so this is a, a very um, a large project for us. We're actually calling it a signature project because as you can imagine, there's so many team members um, that are involved and working with the public and private sectors to make this happen. Um, but basically with each of these projects that will take a few years to do, we're funding construction um, for each organization and then providing an ongoing subsidy for gigabit internet service at significantly discounted rates. Um, in, in the public housing units and lower income units throughout Charlottesville. That's, a, that's great. I was wondering what the impact of this crisis would be on programs like that, because some folks feel that these, this, the awareness and the spotlight that's on broadband uh, as a critical infrastructure globally, not just in Charlottesville, um, will help accelerate uh, programs, right? And, and we're shifting the conversation around, do we really need this capability to Gosh, we really. Need, how do we get this capability today? Mm -hmm. So, do you see any impact on these on these programs? I know it's kind of early to help accelerate that the, the bridging of that divide. Sure. I mean, you know, it's interesting you you ask the question that way because throughout the last few days, I've been talking to so many different community members that um, so need um, a strong internet connection. Um, for example, I just talked to um, a social worker at a local elementary school yesterday who has, um, you know, 50% of the students at that local school are on the free lunch program. And mm -hmm. those children have parents that predominantly work in the hospitality or the restaurant industry here in Charlottesville. And many of those people have lost their jobs. And the first things that, you know, people cut generally are your wireless or your, you know, your mobile phones. Um, and a lot of people don't have a fixed internet, uh, you know, connection at home because a lot of people rely on their cell phones um, to connect with people. So, you know, what we're finding in these daily conversations that I'm having with so many members of our community is that, you know, the internet really is the, the lifeline. It's the lifeline not only of communities, but it's connecting students with their teachers, um, parents with family members to, you know, to check in on grandparents or, you know, the aging community. Um, and also for people that are, that are still trying to work and, you know, uploading documents and video chatting. So I absolutely believe that this crisis will highlight um, the need uh, that internet connections are, you know, are absolutely needed by every, you know, group and every society member. It's it's interesting because this is, um, I think it's going to highlight some other things too in terms of the socialization and inclusion, right? I mean, because this is, we're all kind of locked at home. We're having um, virtual happy hours and virtual picnics, you know, just so we see a face and connect to people um, because, because you kind of get tired of the three or four people running around your house. So... <laughs> So this is a concept that you put on there. You, you made me think differently about esports, right? I mean, now there's criticism that kids are locked away and they're playing Xbox or whatever for 10 hours a day, you know, untethered. And uh, the way you guys look at esports is a little bit different. And, and maybe you can help us understand what you see there. Sure. I, um, you know, I learned about esports last year. Um, learning about, um, you know, different ways that schools were trying to connect with 
all of the students in their high schools. Um, and I read that our Virginia High School League announced that they were going to try to pilot um, an esports program. And fortunately, one of our local high schools signed up for that pilot program, and that's Monticello High School. And so I met with the athletic director and just trying to learn more about esports because, as you can imagine, you know the gaming community um, really—it's it, a—it's a great community for for Ting um, selling gigabit fiber internet. It's a natural platform for gamers, so it just seems like a great connection for us. Um, but you know, the bottom line is having an esports league at a school. I learned gave the schools a vehicle and an opportunity to engage students who may not otherwise be involved with school activities. And the more I talked to the athletic director, it just, I, you know, a light bulb went off in my head, thinking that there's so many kids that are involved with arts and music and sports teams that they're already defined at schools. And, um, you know, kids have those jerseys and they develop friends. But really, there was, you know, a certain percentage of kids that found their strength um, with gaming, but also that these were the kids that were a little bit harder for high schools to reach and harder for the high schools to have those kids engaged and develop a sense of team. And so in talking to the athletic director, it, it quickly made me realize that um, this concept of esports was Although some people were, you know, naysayers saying that, oh, these kids are just going to be sitting inside. They're not going to be getting any movement. Um, they're not getting any socialization because they're on computers. I really saw it in a different light after talking to Monticello that this was yet another vehicle that the school could use to, to help these kids and to give them a sense of a team and a sense of school. Um, these kids have team jerseys. Um, there's various levels of gaming. So some, some um, students that are just trying a certain game may come in at more of a junior varsity level versus kids that maybe have mastered certain skill sets of a game or on a varsity level. Um, they have to maintain a certain GPA. Um, they have practices just like the other teams. And for me, it just made me realize that if, you know, as a school, they could engage a child that may otherwise feel left out and lonely in a high school experience, I wanted to be part of that. I wanted to make sure that me as an individual and Ting could be a partner to help each and every child at a school feel special and feel that they were contributing to that environment and that high school experience in a good, positive way. Yeah, that's, that's really amazing. Um, insight for, from that community to be able to do that. Cause you're, you're right. I mean, the kids are almost self um, organizing on their own. They have their headsets on and they're talking to people and they're doing stuff that none of us know how the heck they got there. So there's definitely the, the initiative and the craving from the, from the kids, but being able to then, you know, from a differentiated learning and differentiated inclusion um, perspective, be able to say, okay, well, how do we, how do we lean into that and use that to our advantage to help these kids um, build a sense of, discipline and team and belonging and community. And, and that's, it's certainly something that I never considered, but um, I'm, I'm hopeful it takes off. Cause I, I think uh, 
esports are only going to be more and more as we continue this uh, social distancing. Um, and I, I think you used two really strong words um, that I connected with after meeting with Monticello and the athletic director was, you know, a sense of belonging mm -hmm. and a sense of community. And, you know, as you know, we are community. We make sure that we're connecting with community and that's, you know, various age groups, right? So we're, you know, connecting with the high school children, um, you know, the young professionals, um, our seniors. So it just made sense to me to connect and to help them um, by sponsoring the the esports league and the esports team with Monticello. It's great. The um, so you mentioned the schools. You mentioned um, the low income housing authority or the housing authorities. You've mentioned a couple different um, stakeholders within your communities. Um, you know, just help us understand who the who you see as your primary stakeholders and and how you think it's the best for any organization to uh, engage with them. Sure. Well, um, I think, you know, because Ting is so deeply involved with community, there's there's various organizations that, um, you know, that we support and, you know, attend meetings and, and try to continue to learn about the new organizations that are that are joining Charlottesville's environment. Um, we are quite active with the UVA community, as you mentioned earlier. Um, Ting provides free Wi-Fi at the Scott Stadium, which is our football stadium for the University of Virginia, as well as John Paul Jones Arena, which is the basketball stadium. Um, so again, quite active with the UVA community. And we also provide free Wi-Fi with the city of Charlottesville at our downtown area walking mall. Um, so those are two, you know, very large private and public um, sector organizations that, that we partner with. We also support our local chamber of commerce, um, and we make sure that we're, you know, attending events and making sure that our local businesses understand that, you know, for economic growth and economic development, you know, many, many businesses are seeking that strong fiber connection. Um, so it's important for us to stay involved and support our chamber of commerce. And then we also have different organizations here in Charlottesville that align very nicely with, with Ting. Um, one is our Charlottesville Business Innovation Council. Um, this is a group that, you know, educates and uh, celebrates the innovation and the technical-based um, entrepreneurs and businesses in our region. Um, so, of course, trying to attract uh, high-tech businesses into Charlottesville, uh, they often seek Ting internet service. So, that's another nice alignment for us. Um, we support our Charlottesville Biohub. Uh, which is the organization that supports the growth of science and biomedical community here in Charlottesville. Um, we support numerous nonprofits and, of course, our local businesses, large and small. So, you know, as part of my role here at Ting is to make sure that I'm not only working with the, the public sector, but that I'm working with various levels of the private sector. And I think, you know, much of our success is working with the the private sector organizations, understanding the nonprofits, understanding the organizations that support businesses, because um, there's so many various levels of, of um, membership within those organizations that all need a strong internet connection. So we've found much success um, with, you know, celebrating and, um, you know, sharing our message through various uh, organizations in Charlottesville. Yeah, the, the private public partnership, I think, is, is an important conversation. And I think, as we mentioned earlier, that, you know, the conversation shifting away from, do we need this capability to, how do we get this now? Um, funding is definitely going to be 
one of the challenges moving forward. But there's a lot of money coming both from federal side as well as from the private side. Um, and, and you're introducing us to Ting Charlottesville in kind of a more mature relationship with your community. Um, but for those that are just starting for private organizations that are coming into communities, you know, are, you know, are there agendas aligned? Do the private folks think the same way the community does? And is the community suspect of the private's intentions? And any thoughts on how to how to surface those things and make sure that they, they start off on the right foot? Sure. You know, we're um, we're fortunate enough at Ting to have, um, you know, our director of governmental affairs that works um, day in and day out with these issues. Um, and she's much more versed on that topic than I am. Um, but I will share that, you know, Ting has set up several different models with our Ting towns throughout the country. Um, there's not one Ting town that's exactly uh, like another. So, for example, with Ting Charlottesville, um, we, we build on an aerial and underground network. Uh, we, you know, not only engineer and construct, but we install and then maintain those customer accounts. Uh, we have other Ting towns that do strongly work with a private-public partnership like Westminster, Maryland. Um, but I think the the environment and the stage is set right now that there's so many various options for people to explore, um, and it's quite active with you know recommendations and and people seeking funding and and partnership with public private partnerships but um, as mentioned and as you mentioned I think Ting Charlottesville is much more established so we're you know definitely on a different uh, level at this point than than starting relationships with other towns yeah no that that's you're right every situation is gonna be a little bit different I think um, I think the current again the opportunity of in front of us with this current situation is that um, Folks will be more amenable to finding ways to fund um, and getting their communities connected and, and staying connected in a sustainable, reliable way um, quicker. So I think the dialogue will be much more um, transparent and uh, hopefully accelerated because, you know, this this is uh, a long term situation. And even so, it, even if we do find a vaccination, you know, I think it's it's going to shift the way the world operates. And, um, you know, I think broadband is, is going to continue to be. Trusted us that, as you mentioned, the lifeblood of, of our economy, our daily lives. So, um, so I really appreciate giving us some insight into all the interesting stuff that you're all doing. It's really um, encouraging to see organizations uh, this deeply steeped in their communities um, and really helping out. So, I'm, I thank you for that, and, and I wish the best to all you guys in Charlottesville. Uh, how can our listeners learn more about? Um, Ting, Charlottesville, and Two Cows. Sure. So, you know, for those interested in learning more about Ting, um, we're at, you know, uh, ting.com slash Seville. Um, we have a strong, you know, an active Facebook and Instagram following. And, you know, I'd love to hear from, from people that have questions about Ting or Ting Charlottesville, and I can be reached at Kara at ting.com. That's great. Well, good luck to everything. Stay safe and uh, look forward to um, maybe connecting in the future and and we come to the downside of this whole ordeal and figure out how all these programs worked out. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to talk again. Great. Thanks, Cara. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Pete.